But we're, we're glad that you're here. We're in week six of a series we're calling Family Matters. And we're talking about a lot of different uh, family type ideas. And if you've tracked with us, we've talked about a lot of different things. And we have three more weeks still to come. And there's still some topics we want to get to. But we want to hit pause on kind of that for a little bit. And we want to go back and revisit something we talked about in week one. And then we're actually going to wrap this up in week nine. Uh, because in, in week one, and, and as we kind of alluded to already, as you see by the chairs up on stage, I'll be joined briefly uh, in just a few minutes by some friends who are going to share part of their story. But back in week one, we talked about this idea, and, and we've mentioned this from time to time in this series, that there aren't a lot of good uh, like stories from the Bible that really have good families in them. We hear a lot of dysfunction and, and, and a lot of mistakes that are happening in the family. And, and sometimes that's because they make very compelling narratives to see the grace that has to come into a situation when there's family friction, there's stuff that's going on. And I think a lot of times it's because that's how families are. There tends to be a lot of friction. There tends to be a lot of tension and turmoil. And so the Bible has a lot of stories of families that don't necessarily get it right. And so we alluded to that saying we don't have a lot of, we call them narratives, really long stories uh, about families to get it right. However, there are a couple of instances, and we didn't want to miss this. There were a couple of instances in Scripture. We want to look at one this week, and I want to look at one as we wrap up the series in the final week of the series, where it isn't a really long story, but it's mentioned in Scripture saying, here's an example of, of some positive influences, some ways that, that faith created a legacy in a family's life. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up right now Second 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I want to look at one of those stories because we're talking today about creating a faith legacy and, and what that looks like and what that means for, for people. Even if we've had a long time, we've already created a lot of legacy. We're going to talk in just a second about our legacy begins right now. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is writing here to a young pastor uh, and he's writing to Timothy. It's the second letter they wrote to Timothy. And he says in verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith. So this is Paul, uh, a guy who's helping disciple this young man named Timothy. And Paul's writing to this guy, Timothy, and he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. So Paul says, I'm reminded, Timothy, of the faith that you have. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. So we see, even though there's a lot of dysfunctional stories, Paul here is writing to a young pastor, and he says, listen, here's what I know about you. The faith that your grandmother had, her name was Lois, and the faith that your mother had, her name was Eunice, that has been passed on to you. And he says, I've been observing you for a while, and I believe, I am sure, that same faith dwells in you now. And he says in verse 6, for this reason... I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you, laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So he says, I believe that the faith legacy that has been passed on from your grandmother to your mother to you, now it resides in you and fan that flame because God has given us a spirit not of fear. And that's the Holy Spirit living inside of us. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. So Paul here begins... Uh, really, Second Timothy, by talking about the idea that our faith legacy matters, that we have people before us, and it's not a promise. It's not a promise that every time if we do our, what we're supposed to do as a family and as, as parents, it's not a promise that our kids are necessarily going to follow. There's examples where that isn't the case, but if we do our best as parents, if we do our best, maybe as aunts and uncles pouring into the next generation, we can start to see that faith legacy being replicated because... For our children, 
belief and behavior is caught much more than it's taught. We can, we can teach all we want. We can tell kids, hey, we want you to follow Jesus. We want you to love God. But they're going to watch our behavior. And they're going to say, okay, mom and dad keep saying this is really important. But they're not really living it out. They're not really doing this. So it must not be that important. And, and here's my fear. And, and, and I can put myself in, into the same area in, in our life and the stuff that we do. Because sometimes, especially when we have younger children. Maybe we send them out to, to work, they're going go to our children's ministry, or they come to, to Camp Wanna Stay, and they start to memorize Scripture, and we teach our kids when they're young, it is really important, you should memorize Scripture, and, and we teach our kids when they're young, that's a good thing to do. And then they start to watch, they're like, wait a minute, I'm memorizing Scripture, but I looked up to mom and dad, and, and it's been a long time since a lot of us have memorized Scripture. And our kids start to grow up and say, oh, well, when I become an adult, it's not really all that important. We create a faith legacy. And our actions, the things that we do, teach our kids because for them, belief and behavior is caught a lot more than it's taught. I can say one thing, but if I'm not living it out, my kids are going to know it's not genuine. And so our challenge today and it's whether your parents, maybe your children are already grown up and gone, or your grandparents or your aunts and uncles, or maybe you're just a, a caring adult that's involved in some student's life. The idea is that our faith legacy matters. And so as we get into this, we're going to talk through some ideas real quick because I want to get James and Danielle up here. But I want to get into this idea that when we start to talk about our legacy, for a lot of us who say, well, but my past is so complicated. There's so many mistakes in, in my life. And, and maybe it was experiences that happened to me in, in environments that I grew up in where, where I was, maybe for some of you, you, you grew up in a, in a home where, where your dad was verbally abusive. And so because of that, you say, my past is holding me back. I want to have a faith legacy. I want to know what it means. But no one ever taught me the Bible growing up. And so for me right now, it's really hard for me to grasp those things. And I find myself replicating some of those same behaviors. Well, for us right now, May 24th, 2015, from everything from this point on, from this point backwards, that is our history. And everything from this point forward, we are now creating a legacy. So right now, our legacy begins today. And our past impacts our legacy, but it doesn't have to define it. You see, I've met a lot of people in their life who they say, J.J., I want to share my story with you. And, and they share this, this incredible story of, of stuff they dealt with when they were younger. Maybe it was physical abuse. Maybe it was verbal abuse. Maybe it was literally just, just dealing with, with parents who were just alcoholics, and it was, got really, really bad, and they didn't know where to turn. And, and they said, now that I've gotten older, I find myself replicating some of the same behaviors, and I don't want to. One of the first things I do for any couple that comes in and, and wants to, to get married. I say, okay, we're going to have three counseling sessions. And the first session, the very first thing we do is I say, okay, I want to hear a little bit about how you grew up. What are some things you really liked about growing up? What are some things you didn't like about growing up? And, and, and then same thing for, for, the, for the wife. And I say, what are some things you liked? What are some things you didn't like? And the reason we do that is because for every one of us, we carry baggage into a relationship. And baggage doesn't have to be bad. It just is. It's the stuff that we've had and because of previous experiences, whether it's stuff that happened to us or even in our relationships, mistakes we made or good things that we did. And so we each carry this baggage. And that baggage, if we're not careful, can not just impact but also begin to define our present and future relationships. So it starts to define our legacy. 
And so we say, I don't want that to be the case. I have to deal with that. And a lot of times that goes back to the idea of I have to forgive whatever setting, whatever people were involved in that to be able to create a legacy now moving forward. Because if we flip over just a couple of chapters to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, verse 14, it continues talking about this idea of legacy. And he says, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Learning it from his grandmother and from his mother and possibly even from Paul himself. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, the Holy Scripture, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He says, listen, from a young age, your mom and your grandmother have poured Scripture into you. Our legacy matters, and we want to teach our kids a bunch of great things. We want them to be successful and have great careers and have healthy relationships. But the most important legacy we're ever going to pass on to our children is a faith legacy because this is the one thing that's going to stick with them, not just here on earth, but literally for eternity. And so Paul says, you had parents, you had a mom, you had a grandmother who poured into you, who cared for you, who created a faith legacy, and now I see that legacy being continued in the way you do life. For a lot of us, and here's where the challenge lies, especially if we didn't grow up going to church. What we know, we, we hear in church about grace and Jesus and all these things, and we, we love those things because it's powerful for us. But sometimes if we're not careful, what we pass on to our children isn't that I want you to follow God and be passionate about Christ, but that I want you to be a good person. If you're just a responsible citizen, if you do these things, it's going to make you really good, and we're missing the heart of the issue. See, I want my kids to be good citizens. I want them to have healthy relationships and grow up and, and for, my, for my boys to meet the right girl and for my girl to meet the, the, the right guy. And, and I want all those things for them, but ultimately it begins with, but I want them to passionately follow Jesus with everything they have. Because I believe fully if they do that, all those other things are going to happen. But if they do all those things and miss that, they're missing the very reason why they've been created. I'm excited right now. James and Danielle, if you'd go ahead and join us. Uh, for those who don't know, this is James and Danielle Brown. If you would welcome them. We're excited to have them this morning. Because they are two that are right in the midst of this idea of, of, of building up that legacy. Really, it's just the, the foundational part. So, guys, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Go ahead and grab your microphone and be seated. We're going to ask them a couple of questions. It's kind of about their, their faith journey so far and how they got to this point. But first, I gave a little bit of introduction. Tell me a little bit more about you guys. It's on. I'm Danielle. This is James. We've been married for almost five years and been dating since we were in high school. Um, we live in Arbondale. We're from Arbondale. We graduated from Arbondale High School. That's right. Go Hounds. Yeah. <laughs> Blue and gold. Okay. Um, what about your involvement at RPC? What do you guys do here? been involved in a family group for about two, two and a half years. Um, I just became a trustee this year here at the church and work with guest services and Danielle works in the back in the nursery. Okay, very good. And go ahead. That's awesome. That is awesome. And really to see the growth happen in this couple, I've, I've been privileged to be part of their family group for, for much of that time and to see the growth that's happened in their life, to see them involved in different areas uh, has, has been really, really, really remarkable. But James, I want to begin with your part of the story because we're going to go back quite some time, the time that you were in high school, and you dealt with some pretty heavy stuff in high school. So why don't you begin there? Yeah, when I was 16 years old, I was diagnosed with cancer and um, went through chemo and radiation. 
uh, for about a year and a half, and everything was gone, everything was clear, and uh, and I met Danielle, and we started dating. We've been dating about two months, and uh, my cancer came back, mm. so I had to go through the chemo and everything all over again, and I guess one of the biggest fears I had in the beginning was losing her, but uh, I didn't. That, that didn't happen. She stuck with you through all yeah. of that. What was it like? So now you had cancer the first time, and the chemo and radiation was really, really tough, and you thought you, at that point you beat cancer. And then to get that diagnosis that it was back, what, what was that like? Uh, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> cancer sucks, everybody. <laughs> but, um, you know, with, without, a, without a strong family and a good group of friends, I, it, it, it'll kill you, man. It's, I, I truly believe strong family base and good girlfriend and good family it it definitely definitely helped me through it a whole lot better the second time than the first time definitely and so you get that second diagnosis and you kind of make it through that at that time just with chemo but you make it through now how long has it been since since Uh, that happened 11 years 11 years years that's awesome that's awesome so danielle share a little bit about what was he like in in high school going through all that because that's tough (laughs) <laughs> That's a loaded question right there. But, but share a little bit. What was he like in high school? He was a stud. <laughs> <laughs> and he still is. He still is, honestly. No, he was, he's, he was the same that he is now. His personality is exactly the same. Um, we may not have been able to go and do as much as maybe other couples with him being sick. But we had our fun times and we had our lay-low times. But it was, he was the same person that he is today. And remarkable for both of you to go through that, for you to stick by him and then James for all that you dealt with. Uh, so we're going to fast forward a little bit in the story now. And, and you guys, a couple years later, you guys get married. And, and eventually at some point you start thinking about children. So pick up the story there. What, what was happening at that point? Uh, for the first year, we decided to calculate and just let whatever happened happen. Um, but we found out that he uh, is, in fact, sterile. So... We looked at all the options out there, and nothing really set with us. Um, nothing really. We just in vitro or anything like that. It didn't really set well with us, so we um, we chose adoption. Now, there's a neat story involved with that, though. So it wasn't just like you're looking around. There was a particular moment in time where it became clear to you that adoption was the right choice. So what happened there? We were watching Run's house, <laughs> and they were... How many uh, have ever seen that show at all? There's probably like five people. There's, <laughs> there's a couple people, but, but, but Reverend Run, he's, he's giving you some wisdom. Yeah, they were in the middle of adopting their little girl, and um, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I cried. I knew that was what we were meant to do, meant to do was provide a child with a, a loving, stable home that may not have that opportunity. It's incredible, incredible. Were you on board right away with that, or did it? Uh, yeah, I was. I was on board right away. I mean, I, that option just seemed way better than any of the other options for sure. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Now, I, I know there might be people here. I don't know. Maybe between the two services, there might be someone con- contemplating adoption, and, and there's a lot involved with it. So, what advice would you give them if they're at that point of really saying, "Hey, Run's house comes on, and I'm watching this, and, and I get this idea. Well, how do I respond to that? What, what, what's it, what advice do you have for them?" Just go for it. It's you know it's it's the longest drawn out 
journey you'll ever go through between FBI fingerprinting, <laughs> HIV testing. Um, they want to know financial histories, how you were disciplined as a child. It's a book of paperwork you have to fill out multiple times. The home studies, people come in your home, look at your home. I mean, how many bedrooms do you have? What kind of toilet paper do you use? It's, it's, it, it seems like it gets that in-depth. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, but it's so worth it. Yeah, so it worth it. And, and you had, during that, because that, that's taking a period of, of months to get all that stuff done and get prepared. You have to take map classes and all the things that come with that. And you also have to create a life book. Uh, explain what, what that life book is for someone who might not be aware of what you have to do with that. Uh, it's a book with pictures of our life. Uh, who our family is, who our friends are, um, what we like to do, what our hobbies are, um, everything about us. And then once you create that book, what happens? Because it's different. Sometimes you have a, a private adoption. Sometimes you have public adoption. So for your, your story, what did you have to do with that book? Why were you creating that? Well, we, uh, we made the book and presented it to Catholic Charities. That's who we went through to get to go through our adoption and they pick 10 couples out of their uh, program and they take them 10 books and when a birth mother comes in who's pregnant contemplating adoption they show them the profile books they let them meet you through your book before you meet them in person or if they want to meet you at all and um, so we made our book and we were completely adoption ready with our home study and in January they picked 10 couples to be in the program. Well, the first year we didn't make it into the program. Um, we were called the young couple. We were 20-something years younger than everybody in the program. And uh, so that kind of bummed us out. You know, We're like, well, we're just going to take a year off, put it in God's hands. And uh, we still submitted our book. She said, you know, if, if, if a situation comes up, um, I'll show them your book if, if the right situation come in. And uh, a birth mother came in, looked through 10 or 15 other books, and said, these people are all too old. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Lisa from Catholic Charities showed her our book. She looked through it one time, shut it, said, that's who I want. No questions asked. I want to meet them. So. Wow. So that's really incredible because up until that point, you thought in January, yeah, we, we there's no, a very good chance we're not going to have a child at all yeah, this year. We had no clue that that year was going to be the year. Yeah. So what happens when you get the phone call? Um. Danielle was at work. She always called Danielle. Danielle dealt with all the paperwork. Well, she works at the hospital, so she's hard to get a hold of. So she calls me, and I, when her name comes up on your phone, your heart drops. I mean, it's 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 a crazy even feeling. to this day. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was working. I was headed to a job, and she called me, and I had to pull over. And So she told him that we had been chosen and the birth mother wanted to meet us and that it was a little girl. Mm. And so at now we're going to get a chance to meet via the screen. This is Lily. If you haven't had a chance to meet Lily. That's a little girl now, two years old. Uh, so, so James, I don't know. It's going to be hard to I know, talk about her, but I think as a dad there's always a, a special bond. So what was it like the first time you saw her? I knew as soon as I walked in the room to see her. He knew immediately that he loved her. That was his girl. I know he said repeatedly uh, throughout the past that at that moment he knew that 
no one in the world needed him more than she did. And I was so, so powerful. And, and to hear you guys' story and, and to see how, how great she's doing now. It's really, really tough uh, to put into words how powerful that is. Danielle, share a little bit because it was really during this whole process uh, and because of the adoption. Because you guys had kind of visited church off and on. But this, for you guys, started to firm down that we got to get serious about this. Why was that? Uh, Part of Catholic Charities, what they require is for you to be a part of a church. Um, I see everybody wiping their eyes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so we, we knew that we needed to become part of a church, regular members of a church. And actually on our uh, anniversary. second wedding anniversary, I think, um, we joined a family group. And that was our first night on our anniversary. There you go. Yeah. And then a short time through family group, James, you end up going to Honduras because when I like, it's like, we're going to go all in on this thing. And, yeah. and so it was, it was neat that through that, you know, through almost the requirement from Catholic Charities that you guys get plugged into church. And then uh, from that point on, it went from being something that, you know, I had to do because I signed up now to, to now this has become a, a passion of your guys to be, to be plugged in and serving in different capacities. Um, what about, you know, obviously as, as, a little having a little one starts to change things and, and, and all that. Um, what would you say right now are your core values as a family? What are things you're trying to instill into into your family as as a couple? Faith is first. Always rely on God um, and family. Okay, those two things. Those are the core values: <laughs> faith and family. Uh, powerful. Uh, does that mean having those two things? Because you guys have faith now, and, and your family is incredible. Uh, but does mean it's, does that mean it's always easy? No, no. So how do you make it through? Um, just trust one another, you know. Mm-hmm. As as husband and wife, trust and respect your wife, and uh, treat your kids with respect, respect also, you know. Yeah. Um, trust is a big issue, you know. We, mm-hmm. I think that's really big. Right. Ab- absolutely. Sure. And having our family group is. Like a family. Yeah. So they've been a lot of, they've been there for us and a lot of support to us. Sure, absolutely. Last question. I know we've had a, a emotional <laughs> time. Um, but last question. I really want us to think about this one. Uh, as Lily grows up, as she gets older, we're talking today about creating this legacy. What are some things that you really want to be, like, like for her moving forward, what do you want her legacy to be? We want her to rely on God. We want her to have her faith um, first in her life and to make the right choices. And I don't know. I have a lot of great years. And <laughs> Just be a good girl. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And still you, good values. Definitely. Anything else you guys want to add at all? Did that cover it? If anybody is or you know anybody thinking about adoption, don't don't be scared of it. It is mm-hmm. it is scary in the beginning, but it's totally worth the reward, you know, yeah. at the end of the day. Now I don't even think we we mentioned this earlier, but but for you guys, and we talked about all that it entailed and all that stuff, but how long was it from the time that you really began this process to the time that, that Lily that you met Lily? From the day of our first orientation with Catholic Charities to the day Lily was born was exactly nine months and six days. Yeah, so, like, it seems like a lot, and yet, when you go through all of that, that's really a short amount of time. I know when we it's, went through it's it. It's very short. Well, our, our first time going through it, it was over two years. You know, Zach was all speed up, and it was about three months. But, but you know, sometimes it takes, 
years for the stuff to develop. And, and there's times in the midst of that that it's discouraging. And you're, you're saying it's, it should be easier than this. There's all these kids that need a, a safe home and a, a loving home. And we want to provide that. And yet there are challenges along the way. And yet stick with it. Uh, that would be the advice and, and so all that. So if you would join me in thanking James Danielle for joining us. As we talk about this idea of, of creating a, a faith legacy, they did a great job in, in sharing their story. Um, it really is about saying, we, we said this a couple of times through this series, that people don't, when it comes to relationships, people don't stumble into greatness. I, I think a lot of times we just think we wake up every morning and we have to go through our, our normal routine, our regular routine, and we almost, when it comes to uh, whether it's parenting our, our children or relationships with our family and, and friends, we think, well, I'm just going to wake up, and however I feel this morning, I'm just going to kind of follow that. And we have no system in place, no plan in place to successfully make the most out of the days that we're given. And so a lot of this series is hovered around the idea that it can't just be something that we stumble into. It can't be something that we just kind of do but that we have to be intentional about creating the proper relationships. We have to be intentional about creating the right environments so that our relationship, if you're married right now, that your relationship with your spouse, or if you're going to be married one day, that your potential relationship with your spouse, that that relationship is going to have the best chance of success. And that when it comes to raising our children, that we would do our very best. We don't wake up in the morning and say, hey, whatever we want to do this morning, we're just going to do but that we intentionally have set out some very good ideas to have in place, some environments to set up, uh, so, some ways that we, we guide and direct our children so that they have the best chance of success. So as we read about Timothy, that for you continuing what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, how from childhood you've been acquainted with sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, that we would do that, that we'd be intentional in those relationships. That's what this series is about. Again, we thank James and Jan Danielle for joining us. Uh, let's go ahead and pray.